nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. This episode of Hawk Talk. Today we're joined by Riley Fran of Mid Madness. Uh, Riley Fran is a special guest of the podcast. Of course, last time he was on was the last season, and he was joined by our other host, obviously, Tony Morelli. Uh, so, Riley, it's awesome to be recording with you, and it's cool to be doing it via uh, Twitter spaces. Thanks for being flexible. I figured getting an episode done right before the game. Might be a fun thing to do to see if we can get some people on while they're uh, coming to to watch St. Joe's play tonight at nine against Loyola Chicago. So Riley, how you doing, my friend? Of course, Pete. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on, man. It's always great to come on. I know you mentioned uh, I came on the podcast last season, but uh, it's great to be back again. Uh, and yeah, I think it's great we're getting on here before the game tonight. I think there's definitely some some good things that have been happening in the past couple of weeks that you know we should get to highlighting here. Yeah, absolutely. So. Riley, I know you, and just a quick, another shout out, you write for Mid Madness. Uh, obviously, you, you've been a St. Joe's fan, St. Joe's alum yourself. But uh, what what have you seen from this group in the last, you know, this last six game stretch that has really, I guess it's been seven games now. Um, but what, what have you seen that you've liked? I mean, I think it's been really scrappy. I think uh, they're kind of, I don't want to say perfecting this Billy Lang game, game plan, but I think they're kind of playing it well. We have a lot of guys that are shooting the ball well from three-point range. Uh, and I think not only are they playing a very up-tempo offense and it's working, but I think they're also finding the right moments and games to kind of slow the ball down and, and run the offense. And I think the combination of both has kind of been working well for them, uh, as well as, you know, when you have guys like Eric Reynolds, uh, Cam Brown, and Lynn Greer, who, you know, are finding just so much success on the court, it's, it's hard not as a team. Uh, to, to, you know, miss out on that success as well. And, and overall, I just think, uh, you know, it's maybe finally starting to click a little. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to overstep here, but I, I just think they've looked really good over the last couple of weeks, and it's something to be, you know, excited about finally. Yeah, for sure. I think everyone who's watching is sort of like saying to themselves, okay, things are sort of clicking and they're, they're liking what they're seeing, but it's sort of like this curtailed op- optimism where they don't want to be too excited. Yes, definitely. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, I, I was at the LaSalle game this weekend, mm-hmm. and I was really happy because the Hagen was popping. Um, the fans, the student section, shout out to the student section. They looked good. They had a rollout that uh, looked good. I think once we start getting some wins, they'll get the chance down and everything. But, um, yeah, I, I think considering the fact that we didn't have Casper – last game and we won't have him tonight against Loyola Chicago the team looks pretty good yeah I mean it's hard to argue with that I, everyone is you know kind of clicking well all the pieces I mean even some of the freshmen I think like Winborn, who maybe didn't start out the season as hot you know they're finally starting to get going a little and uh, just overall you know everyone's maybe kind of hitting their stride in conference play here and you know hopefully we can keep going and, and round out the season well and you know head into the uh, A-10 championship, you know, with a little bit of, like, pep in our step, if you will. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's interesting. The LaSalle game, even though we only shot, 
I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but it was, let's see, we shot 43% from two and 40, 43% from three. Mm-hmm. And we, no, so that, sorry, that's the Sal stat line. We shot two, two uh, we shot even worse than that. We shot, uh, <laughs> let's see. It looks like 43 and a half from two or just there overall field goal percentage and 24% from three. Just not great at all. And that's not even including from the free throw line where we were five for 13. So you can't beat LaSalle. You can't beat many teams in the A-10 when you shoot that poorly. No, definitely. Uh, I, th- I think that's, if I could step in for a second, I think that's kind of been a hallmark of the Hawks game under, you know, mm-hmm. Billy Lang here is if they shoot it well, they're going to be in it with a chance. Uh, and if they shoot it poorly, you know, they might kind of just get, run over uh i don't want to say like they did in the LaSalle game but you know maybe like the box score kind of shows uh and you know it it it, it, it's kind of tough because you know you look at it in the grand scheme of the hawks program and you know with the success they've kind of found over the past couple weeks it's maybe because they're shooting so well and uh perhaps you know the the sal game where they like we said only shot 25 percent or 24 percent from three point range i think it was um you know is that kind of them uh you know getting back to old ways, how this Hawks team kind of looked at the beginning of the season and even into last year. Mm. Yeah. You bring up a curious point. And I, I wonder like from your perspective, do you, do you feel like this is something we can keep up? Like the, the type of shooting that like, we just basically, we need to shoot well or we don't do well. Like, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. That's kind of the, the tough question about this program is because we seem to get maybe one guy a game or two guys a game who are having a good game who are, you know, shooting the ball well from three. Uh, but we don't always get the whole team going as a whole. And, and I think that's going to be the key here is seeing how Reynolds, uh, Cam Brown, and Lynn Greer kind of finish out the season uh, from three-point range. I think Cam Brown is maybe top 20 or 15 in the NCAA in three-point percentage this season. Uh, so he's been very reliable at that. And so I think if he keeps it going and, you know, Reynolds obviously just is a consistent scorer and maybe we get one more three-point threat behind him, I think, you know, it's a legit, like, sustainable – kind of game plan that we're looking at maybe, you know, at rounding out conference play here once again. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I think for coming into the season and even in our early struggles, I said to myself, and a lot of people talked about this, who's going to score the ball if it's not Eric Reynolds and Cam Brown is really, he can solidify himself in that role, but he's sort of like, he shoots really efficiently but he really needs to find his way to the basket and they need to work him into the offense more because we have Eric Reynolds, who's a top 70, top 50, top 50 scorer in the nation. And then we need, it sort of drops off a little bit for like, who's a consistent scorer and Cam's the next guy. So in my opinion, I've, I've, I've always said I hold him to a high standard because he, he can be that guy. So I think Cam needs to really be that guy. I would agree. He's the senior, you know, kind of the senior veteran presence on this team. He definitely has stepped it up a good bit this year. I'm pretty sure he's having something of a career year, you know, across his four years at St. Joe's. And, uh, you know, I think the coaching staff kind of looks at him to be that second option behind Reynolds, especially with Greer, you know, really in his first full season of college basketball, uh, only sitting as a a sophomore. Uh, So, yeah, I definitely think the coaching staff has looked to, to Brown to be that number two option. And he's been a little streaky this year. I think he's been a little hit and miss. Um, but you know, I think when him and Eric are playing well, we're tough to beat, we're competitive and, uh, you know, that's only gonna, you know, hopefully that'll just continue to, to be the go-to throughout, you know, the end of the season here. Yeah. I mean, 
if if we can have one more player hit stride in these last this last stretch here before the A10 play, that would be really great. Um, and I guess I'll put a, a question back to you. If you have to choose a guy, and we've, we've seen Lynn Greer really step it up. We've seen Cam Brown at times step it up. Uh, we've seen even flashes from Casper, but obviously he's out indefinitely with uh, an undisclosed non-COVID-related illness. But mm-hmm. who's that guy going to be for you that, like, hits stride uh, and that, like, you'll, you'll be likely out for if, if there is one guy? I, mean, well, sort I, of... I think – I know he's a senior, and so we can't really rely on him in the long term. But I think overall someone you kind of need to look at and who I would like to see a little more production from has been Obina. Uh, I think he averaged maybe 12 or 13 last year and is down to eight this year. Uh, and especially when we're not shooting the ball well, you can work it t- to him inside and, you know, he gets the job done pretty well. Uh, so I would say he's my number one. I want to work the ball to him more inside. Uh, and, you know, obviously we need just more production in general out of him. Uh, but then number two, I would say, you know, maybe we see Rashir Fleming really kind of come into his own at the end of the season here. I think people have been pretty high on him throughout throughout the year for a freshman. I think he's, you know, having a pretty solid season. Uh, and, you know, maybe as we kind of move to the end here, especially if we're, you know, we continue to miss Casper for an extended period of time. Uh, we don't have any confirmation on that or anything. But I'm thinking, you know, in that, in a similar role to what Casper's been feeling, we could see, you know, Rashir Fleming, the freshman, really step up and, and continue to find some success here at, at the end of the season. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, it, yeah, I, I, I was really highly touting Rashir Fleming at the beginning of the season. And I'd love to see him pick it up. Um, so, so love those answers. Love educate. Like, would love to see that happen. Yeah. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Charles Coleman, who mm-hmm. got some chance even for for his play the last two games um, at home in Hagen. He looked good, and people were saying he looked good. Um, but yeah, he. He, he was able to actually get some blocks, and he was, yeah, he didn't, he didn't look like a, a net negative. So shout out to CJ for, for really stepping up. Um, but yeah, for those who are just joining us, feel free to request to speak. This is going to be a episode that we post on Spotify, sort of a pre pregame sort of recording, hosted by myself, Peter Carney, and obviously Riley Fran from Mid Madness. Uh, so. Again, uh, just we're sort of honing in on sort of what the keys have been recently for the Hawks. Obviously, we've we've seen that the team, when they shoot well, they do well, and that can also lead to a scenario where you don't do well. So it's it's pretty curious what what can happen um, when we we're not shooting well. Speaking of curious, Loyola Chicago is actually favored tonight. By three points, They're, the line, the money line in Vegas has them as a three-point favorites. Uh, maybe this has something to do with the fact that St. Joe's is a little bit indifferent about who they want to pick it for president. Mark Reed knows it. He's <laughs> he's now at Loyola Chicago, so no, I'm just just kidding, of course. But um, yeah, so sort of shifting gears to the, from the last six games, looking forward a bit here. Riley, um, is there anything that you'll be looking out for, um, even just tonight against Loyola Chicago? Um, I think we, you know, need to put in a good showing against Loyola Chicago. I think we kind of need to show that the last win wasn't just because, you know, we were playing at home at Hagen. And I think we need to show we can, you know, kind of continue to dominate them on the road. 
Uh, they've certainly kind of turned things up a little more and picked up a few wins since we last saw them in the A-10 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so it could be a little more a bit of a challenge, you know, with the Hawks taking them on in Chicago tonight. But rounding it out, I think I- I'm looking at a couple of games in particular. I think uh, this upcoming weekend, I, I want to see what we do against George Washington at home. You know, obviously we kind of took them uh, to the brink of potentially a-, a win or overtime when we went to visit them earlier in the season. And that was a really good game. So I'm excited to see kind of what the Hawks could do, you know, when we get a shot at them in Philly. And then I think I'm also looking at the Davidson game and the St. Bonaventure game as two more that, you know, they're going to be good games rounding out the schedule. St. Joseph's is, you know, uh, across the A-10, you always have competitive basketball, but they're definitely some beatable teams at the end of the schedule here. And, you know, you, you definitely want to look for St. Joe's to kind of pick up a couple wins heading into the tournament. Uh, if, you know, if they're going to have any chance at, you know, potentially making some kind of run in Brooklyn uh, and, so, you know, I'm looking at, I think, GW, Davidson, and maybe that St. Bonaventure game that last weekend of the season as, uh, you know, potential big big games for the Hawks to round out the slate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thinking about, like, that GW, like, just even thinking, like, GW, VCU, Bonaventure, mm-hmm. we need to, in my opinion, just like you're saying, we need to, we need to steal a win from one of those teams because – We've proven, I think Billy, at least this season, has proven that he can beat down on some of the sort of the, the tier that we were considered to be in uh, coming into the season. But now we need to sort of solidify ourselves to really feel good about getting getting momentum into next year. We need to be able to show that we can beat, we can win in the A-10, right? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Realistically, you know, the Hawks don't have a chance to win the A-10 championship. You know, they need a little magic to do so, and I'm sure they would never count anyone out. But, if you know, just being realistic for a moment. And so, you know, I think the goal overall is kind of to, to, to show that this is a sustainable game plan that we're kind of running here and to, yeah, continue to build some momentum heading into next year, especially for, you know, the younger guys. And then on top of that, you know, keeping like an Eric Reynolds or a Lynn Greer around with the program, you kind of want to show them heading forward what they're, they're looking into and that you are building things and that, you know, it's going to continue to improve over the next couple of seasons that they're building something here. For sure. I think for 15 and 15 said and done, people will be okay with that. I think that would be an awesome thing for, for us to go into next season. We know we have a really strong recruiting class. We keep Lynn Greer. We keep Eric Reynolds. We keep that core group of guys. Obviously we lose educate, perhaps we lose cam, but that would be like that would be forward momentum to me, um, so that's that's how I see it. Um, no, I would agree. I think fans would be pretty excited with the 500 finish come the end of the season, especially because it didn't look that way heading into conference play. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, coming into conference play, I don't think I, I, I think most most people had us coming in at last in the A10. You might know a little bit more with your mid madness account. Uh, that you, you're a writer for, but I, I'm not really sure. Um, too many people had us like above 500, but yeah, I think 500 is like a good, a good marker for us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it shows the program's growing a little that, you know, Billy's game plan is kind of working and that they are finding, you know, a certain level of success that's uh, equatable to, you know, the history of the St. Joe's, of St. Joe's basketball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's cool to see, um, like the the fact that Billy's really been able to develop certain players like 
I mean, Lynn Greer had a, a year of development basically in the program, but this was almost like his freshman year because he, he barely played. He didn't play much at Dayton. And then we have Eric Reynolds, who's had a significant leap this year. Casper Klazik, Kisper Klazik, who's who's really come into his own. Shame that he hasn't been able to play these last, suit up these last few games. Um, but yeah, I think everyone is looking towards all the growth and they see that there's just, there's so much to look forward to if we can just get through this rest of the rest of the year and keep, keep improving. It's just about gradual improvement. So um, I know, uh, Pete, I know you mentioned uh, Lynn Greer getting, you know, having the opportunity to join the program throughout the second half of last season. Mm-hmm. Have you guys had the opportunity to talk about Sean Simmons and what mm-hmm. he'll bring to the program reclassifying re- re- to join this off season? Uh, you know, yeah. I think he, that's another, you know, something else to look forward to heading into next season was, you know, his addition throughout the second half of the year and just, you know, some of the exciting prospects we have coming in next season overall. Riley, I'm so glad you brought that up. It has been awesome to see Sean Simmons on the court, sort of like with the guys, like really, like you can see there's this, this just, just, just this chemistry that's building and you see him and Chris Isendoko, really the guys are all there and like you can see like there's just, uh, that's a formative experience, and I think it's really going to help them come next season when we're they bring in Xavier, they bring in uh, Aunt Finkley, and like like you're saying, like that that year of development for Sean is so huge. I mean, I think we're starting to see now what it's kind of done for Lynn. So yeah, you pointed out there, it's going to be huge for for Simmons, and I think on top of that. You know, you kind of point out just uh, like how engaged he really looks with the program. And I think I kind of have noticed all across Twitter. I've seen that with all three of the prospects is they're just like really engaged, always hyping up the program. Uh, you know, tr- I- I've seen a couple of times, whether it was like Simmons or Finkley, uh, just trying to get like students in the gym and, and, and fans excited for the program again. And, uh, you know, outside of Simmons, they're not even, you know, on the roster yet. So I just think like that's something Hawk fans should really be excited for is that we have players that are coming in highly recruited players coming in that are excited to be a part of the program. Yeah, it's really exciting. I, I mean, I was right behind the bench, and I saw all the recruits that were coming in to watch the game. Sean Simmons, Chris Isindoka, like you said, they're just so engaged. They're, they're part of the team. They, they really feel part of the team, and that is just like – that's just like intangible, and they're getting so much experience, like talking to fans, get engaging with the community – it's just really, it's a cool thing to see. Absolutely. I think it's all good for the Hawks, you know, the program as a whole, getting these guys involved, getting them in and, uh, you know, making them feel a part of the St. Joe's family, if you will. Yeah, I think that's, that's all we really, at the end of the day, like we're, we're a really small school where this is Hawk Hill. Like a lot of people, like people know each other. You walk across campus, everyone's a friendly face. Everyone wants to say hi. Uh, I think you've seen that sort of initiative from the team to try to like, get people to go to the games, to really personalize the team. Um, so it's really cool to see. I hope, I hope we see that moving forward uh, because it's, it's been a rough four years for fans, bluntly. But like, like we're talking about, there's so much optimism still mm-hmm. at the same time surrounding the program. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said there, hopefully we're just starting to see it all come to fruition now under, under the Billy Lang era, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we're heading in sort of, I'd say about the, the 20 minute mark of this episode. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'm just thinking, thinking out loud here. So we got Loyola tonight, GW coming up on Saturday at home. Like you said, that's a huge one. 
Uh, Duquesne is away. That's a really tough matchup against a Duquesne team that sort of struggled as of late. Davidson away, which is a tricky one. And then VCU home. Bonaventure away at the Riley Center. Tough, tough, tough. And then another home matchup against Richmond. So a very interesting slate of St. Joe's basketball left. Yeah, um, I, I think it's tough, but there's definitely some winnable opponents in there. Yeah. I mean, obviously, VCU is always tough. St. Bonaventure always tough. Richmond's looked good this year. But, you know, I, I mean, I think VCU sits at the top of the conference currently, but they still feel beatable. It's been a weird year for the A-10. Yeah, there's no there's no team that, that doesn't feel like we could steal a win from, except, like, VCU sort of stood above the rest. But even yeah, they, yeah. yeah, like like you're saying, like, even they, let's see, they've lost to Duquesne, Bonaventure, and Dayton. So, yeah, that's some tough opponents, but, like, Anything can happen. It's college basketball. Especially in the A-10. Yeah, especially <laughs> in the A-10. That's for sure. Oh, my gosh. I, I, it's a crazy season. All right, Riley. Do um, you have anything else that you'd like to sort of tell the fans about what you're doing over at the uh, Mid Madness? Maybe tell them where they can follow you at and anything else you'd like to share? Yeah, of course. Uh, just again, Pete, thank you so much for having me on, man. Uh, if anyone else, you know, wants to check out some more of my college basketball coverage, you can check me out. My Twitter's just uh, at Riley Frain, R-I-L-E-Y-F-R-A-I-N. Uh, I'm a I'm a college basketball reporter with Mid Major Madness. So if you know any of you guys are into Mid Major basketball, definitely come check out what I'm reporting on. Awesome, Riley. Maybe we'll we'll have to talk sometime to come come March when we're closer, getting closer to Brooklyn. Uh, see what you see what you have to think about uh, all these crazy mid men. No one knows what's going on in college basketball, so it's just <laughs> it's fun to talk about. I mean, even at the top, they have no idea what's going on, right? So. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's uh, it's like I know we said it literally just a minute ago, but particularly in the A ten, it's been such a crazy year. So, yeah, I'd be happy to you know come back on. I'm always looking to talk St. Joe's basketball, so it'd be a pleasure. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, next Wednesday, February 15th, we'll be recording an episode with Coach John Gallagher, the former men's basketball coach at Hartford, Hawk alum. Uh, so it'll be really excellent to see his insights on the program. Uh, we'll, we'll be have, having some other special guests on sometime soon, too. So keep an eye out for, for that. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening. And as always, the Hawk. <laughs>